Connect. Searching. Now connected to You Got a Story podcast. Now listening to Hunger on Hillside by J. Cole featuring Bass. Shit gon' get hard, keep your head strong If I quit now, then I'm dead wrong Fighting off this hunger for hours Big step, a nigga don't get stepped on The money might fade, but respect don't Still gon' be me when success gone I don't speak the language of cowards I walk through the flame like I'm Teflon I sucked up the pain and I kept gone Whole world know my name, bitch, my rep strong We sold out in less than an hour These words I still sing like I'm slept on I sin so I can't cast the next stone Unless it's baguettes round my neck bone Inside of my frame lies a power You can't get this game from no TED talk I wanna know if they understand me I put it all on A, ain't no plan B Hoping all this weight ain't gon' tell me Fuck around, got gray hairs already Running up the stairs on the tower Running up these M's by the hour If I drop a gym, money showers when you get your taste, they get sour. Shit gon' get hard, keep your head strong. Just keep your head strong. The money might fade, but respect don't. The ultimate price is regret now. Still gon' be me when success gone. Still gon' be me. Big step, but nigga don't get stepped on. Wait on my turn like grains of sand inside the hourglass. Mainly concerned back in the day with how long I would last. Make a few thousand dollars stack with every hour pass. I catch you playing inside my lane and I'ma foul your ass. Put the whole game on top my back, don't need no chiropractic. They calling me young PWC, I got my power back. Ain't fucking around, be even with me, gon' get you hollered at. Niggas can't see me one on one, that's worth the collar prat. You hitting them weights, congratulations, cause you built something. You taking a lot of boxing lessons, but you still pussy. I see right through you niggas, just like Tupac hologram. Ain't doing Coachella, booking me, gon' be a lot of M's. I'm feeling myself, I'm building my wealth up till it's tiring. I'm putting my tongue all in my bitch, she get that hollering. I ain't doing no dirt no more, I stopped creeping six years ago. Fun fucking them hoes until you realize that you is the hoe. Shit gon' get hard, keep your head strong. If I quit now, then I'm dead wrong. Fighting off this hunger for hours. Big step, but nigga don't get stepped on. The money might fade, but respect don't. Still gon' be me when success gone. I don't speak the language of cowards. I walk through the flame like I'm Teflon. Can't be afraid of sunlight. Spotlights when it glows. All the pain you hold makes you worth your weight alone. Can't be afraid of sunlight. Spotlights when it glows.
what's good, y'all? It's me, your host, O to the motherfucking T, back again for another week with a doobie doobie doo. Joined again by my brother, OJ. Welcome back. Hi. Um, yeah. I mean, as y'all know, this is a podcast about podcasts. So, well, uh, you know, first time listeners, you know, welcome. Glad to have you. And uh, returning guests, yo, what would it do? What's good? How y'all living? So, yeah, OJ. I mean, you know, how you doing, man? It's been a couple couple weeks since I've last spoken with you. You know, can't complain. Not doing too much. Staying indoors. Uh, when I can, when I can't, I have to, you know, go out and see a Marvel movie or, uh, you know, go to the grocery store. Normal life stuff, but nothing, nothing too crazy. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, I guess the same. Uh, I, I try to stay in as much as possible. Um, I don't know, like, being vaxxed doesn't make me want to, like, jump back out there <laughs> to the regular life so quickly. So, yeah. Basically, yeah, it's been me just figuring out my day to days, which is actually chill. Like, you know, I'm a homebody now. Like, I'm got video games, food. I gotta go grocery shopping tomorrow, but food, uh, some podcasts to watch. That's that takes up all of my day. It can. Yeah. So. But. Um, is there anything that you would want to do? I mean, what's out there to do, really, is always Very my question. No, no, I think, you know, I'm operating from a completely different uh, lifestyle than you. <laughs> uh, but it seems like people are out there. It seems like things are going on. It seems like... Uh, there are shows and, and events. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not in these streets anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's things to do, but are we in a place as human beings to be back out there amongst each other? It doesn't seem like it. I mean, there's a story breaking right now. Uh, news still developing about the Astro World tour with Travis Scott, and right now eight people have died, have been you know pronounced deceased. Um, you know, R.I.P. Uh, you know, the hundred thousand people there, and you should have seen the. Vi- have you seen any of the videos? Do you know what I'm? Do you know I'm talking about at all? I've seen the videos. I've seen a few of the videos. I think after like one or two, it becomes very clear. <laughs> I don't need to watch anymore. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say. I'm not saying go to Astro. <laughs> R.I.P. I'm, I'm I'm saying more of like uh, you know, uh, last week we me and Mel we went out to uh, Joshua Tree, uh, to an Airbnb just to hang out. A lady that I was talking to on Hinge brought that up too. I don't. I keep hearing it. Is it a good place? 
Joshua Tree? Yeah. It, what is it? Uh, is it like, what's like a reference point from the Bay Area that I could like connect with? There is no, there There's is nothing. None. It's nothing. It's like, it's <laughs> it's the Eden, the garden. It's it's never before seen. It's not Eden. It's just a spot. It would be, um, you know, it would be like going to Yosemite or, or somewhere like that. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend you go. <laughs> Why? Why is that? You know, it's just a nice little sleepy desert town. Um, but there, it is a place to go. Okay. <laughs> Not for you, but but for everyone else. For everybody else in the world, it's an option. Understood. Understood. Yeah, nah. Um, other than my vacation, I'm just planning for that, really. So I'm also not trying to spend OD. Because I'm about to go out. I know, like, I mean, it's part, it's, it's part of the 51 states, but it's a. I hear it's expensive out in the islands. So Where I'm are not, you going? Uh, Hawaii, like Honolulu. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. Right. You feel me? It's going to be an expensive experience. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I can skip through the. I don't have to do the hotel thing, so like that saves me money right there. But yeah, bro, like there's so much stuff that I want to do out there. There's turtles. My homie keeps telling me about. Uh, I'm visiting my homie and his wife, so like there's turtles that I can see. Like there's gonna be a surfboard that I can probably find and jump on. I mean, I gotta go out and buy stuff and and swimsuits and like whatever shorts there exists for me. Uh, snorkeling gear i don't know what the fuck i need i've never been to an island so there's all this anxiety there that i'm like forming even now while i'm talking about it it's like what the fuck I am i gonna do how, i love how wholesome you you open things up with <laughs> you went straight to turtles <laughs> you could have you i'd be dead 45 times with a terrorist who wants to know your itinerary what got you gassed first <laughs> what what got you hyped? I was like, oh no, Jackery's dead. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 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 going to the beach, dead. Uh, I don't know, jet skis, dead. Turtles? He loves turtles. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I'd be a whole like I'd be the most uh complicated guess for like family jeopardy to try to figure out who this person is i'm sure um i mean i don't really know much about it other than what i saw on lilo and stitch so it's like i mean you know people with fire dancing around i don't like the like the little classic disney documentary (laughs) lilo and of course we cannot forget stitch you don't forget the the, the, wait (laughs) the alien let me let me further elaborate the cross-dressing alien <laughs> and the, the, alien, the doctor. A blue alien uh, experiment. Right. It feels like my story. Stitch. It felt like my story. Like I really connected with Stitch as like as a kid growing I, up. I fucking dare you <laughs> to go to any human being in Hawaii, whether you know them or not, and say, I really identify... I mean, the surroundings are so familiar to me. I really identify with Stitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> feel alone in this world and end up in Hawaii. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ortegas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you don't forget the movies that made you cry, right? Like, you remember those forever. Yeah. What other movies that made you cry? Um, Hardball was another one. All right. Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah, I related to that one really. <laughs> like, so much. Oh, my God. Have you, have you ever played baseball? <laughs> <laughs> related to these urban youths playing baseball? I actually did, yo. Like, when I was really young, I had, like, a season of baseball. I'll never forget, I was uh, the catcher at one point, and um, it was, like, the last inning. Like, they needed one more out, and we were playing these rivals, the Blue Jays. Um, they were like, we can never beat them. And this dude hits a pop fly, and I've never had that situation as a catcher before, so I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. So I just kind of stood there with my glove and just waited for the ball to drop, like, yeah. But I wasn't near the ball. I just kind of, I didn't look up. I didn't take the helmet off. I didn't run around searching for the ball. I just like stood in my regular position, just waiting for the ball to yeah. drop. And um, I didn't realize I, I could have got them out and I could have won the whole game for us. And like that was yeah. my moment. You got another fundamentals. <laughs> was, about the fundamentals. Uh, uh, I didn't jump into position knowing anything. Like they needed somebody. I was in the dugout not doing nothing. I was like, I'll do it. Fuck it. Jumped out there. Never practiced. I, I, I did a straight game. I didn't even need to practice as a catcher. I just jumped out there. But, yeah. That's my baseball story. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Honolulu. Uh, it's gonna should be cool. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out uh, balance. That's my ultimate thing right now. How do you achieve balance? By treating it like a uh, dinner plate, like try to get all the portions you want of what you want out of life and in your life and, 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 and set it up that way. Well, how do you personally achieve that, <laughs> that plating metaphor? What are you balancing? Well, like, what's the, like, so what's my chicken? Like, what's my protein? Like, or, like I mean, you're a, you're a vegetarian or, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, vegan. let's go with that. Yeah, I'm always, I don't ever get it right. <laughs> vegan. So, yeah, so, so you're a vegan. Um, I don't know where you get your protein from. Um, like, but for me, it, it'd be, it would be pro, it would be chicken. So then I would get that and then my sides and whatever that looks like. So my, whatever my chicken is is what gives me money right now, which is my job. So like, okay. all right, you know what I'm saying? And then my sides, like the mashed potatoes or the, you know what I'm saying? The greens or whatever. That's all my little my little side gigs that I'm doing. That I'm just trying to get to a level where they're a main. To essentially where I'm vegan like you. To where like my main dish is actually one of the sides that I used to eat. Okay. And then you just do it that way. Make sure you get you a, a nice little beverage. You know, beverage could be people. Just just they here and they gone. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's balanced right there. Like I like because we grew we grew up with a very like scary parent who made it seem like we were going to going down the green mile if we overindulged on our plate and didn't finish it. Like there weren't to go boxes. What in this metaphor that I must admit I'm extremely lost in. <laughs> okay. 
what, what is the equivalent of not eating everything on your plate? Uh, not feeling fulfilled. <laughs> not, okay. Yeah, not feeling like, and you feel like people are like disappointed in you for like wasting food and shit, for like wasting the opportunity to, to and have all this on your plate. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like you know, you could do you could do a basic, basic plate, and you know, like a couple scoops of this, couple scoops, uh, scoops of this, uh, little stuff here and there, but you don't really get a full plate because you're not balancing it all out, and it never really fills you up. It's always just because you stay in what you know is safe and, when, you know, you know, you can finish it. And so then for therefore you escape the disappointment from your parents from not finishing your plate and, you know, yell that. Well, I, I'm just trying to uh, figure out if there was a time in your life where things weren't balanced. What were you loading up on? <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I'm sure, like, when the divorce happened, that was when my life became really unbalanced. And then when we moved, I moved after, like, six months. And then, I'm like, I moved from my mom to my father, so that was unbalancing. Because now I'm living with a man and his brother <laughs> in their 50s. <laughs> and experiencing, like, my couch, my bed is a, a pull-out couch, but, like, from a love seat. So it's even an even smaller couch. Like better than that, you know what I'm saying? So it's, I'm not really getting like, like uh, that home feeling that I'm leaving, right? Like I think I had a clean bed at the at the at the spot with mom, and then dad's not involved in life, right? So he's not investing in activities for me to do. He's not trying to figure out what to do to take up my time. He just wants his peace. Like he's going through a divorce, he's so pissed off, and so he just wants his time. After work, he's really like that father from Friday, except I'm not grown. So, so it's like I'm still a middle school sixth grader. Like I kind of want attention. And so it's not balanced, really. It's like I have to go out there. And so I have to find balance in that in that area on Treasure Island. I have to look for like I find a gym, found basketball with some friends. We start a team. We go to the finals. We lose because we don't have enough players, but we still got to experience that. I find the boys and girls club. I learned how to play like the hustle games, like uh, ping pong and tennis. I mean, not tennis, uh, pool. You get to you know learn and hang out and and be involved. And so you, you balance. I balance myself with myself with activities to just take up my time. Because mm-hmm. so you know, it's just about time management. Uh, time, time. Yeah. Not wasting time. Yeah. Because it's. Because it sounds like, I think, for me, balance has always been a reflection of um, intent and also an acknowledgement of limitations or, or things that I want to be in control of. So, uh, yeah, it, it, for me, it's never been about like making sure... Uh, in this food plate <laughs> analogy uh, to make sure that I'm uh, doing all those things or meeting all those different spaces in life. It's always just been like, am I good? Do I have the resources to feel good? Can I cook 
for myself. <laughs> Even if I want to eat out and get some uh, microwavables, <laughs> I can still uh, provide for myself or at least have the, the skill set to, to move forward with that. Uh, so, can you cook for yourself in this analogy and in general? I mean, the food had to get there. <laughs> the food had to be prepared. <laughs> I couldn't make a plate of nothing. Okay. Yeah, like, I can, I can, I've learned little things. I went to college and I had to learn how to cook for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, started with the basics, spaghetti, and eventually get to chicken. But now I got See? an air fryer, so it's different. So it sounds like you're in a good space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not your analogy, you know, about, not analogy, but your perspective of, am I good, you know? Yeah, I have to, I'm, I I try to always be good. Even with less, I'm I'm used to having less. So, anything above the basic boom and board is always like, I'm good. That's a bonus. Well, cool. Yeah. And you, I mean, you're not so, uh, yeah, you haven't been so stationary uh, yourself, right? Like in terms of balancing your life now, and even with a book coming out. I mean, we've talked about this book before, I believe, that you were working on, but now it's done. I mean, does it have a release date? Um. Well, yes, I co-authored a book about San Francisco stand-up comedy uh, with uh, Nina G, the illustrious Nina G, stand-up comedian from San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and the manuscript is done. Uh, I, this is my first book. So, and this is the first time I'm working with a publisher so I don't know how accurate this is to other people's experiences, but uh, the publisher that we went with, or the publisher we pitched to, was called History Press, and they do these like micro uh, biographies of certain areas and certain you know groups within that area. So if you see like a little like a hundred page tight little thing with a bunch of pictures um, in the library. And it's about like the, the, the founding of Pasadena or serial killers of Livermore. Like just some real specific stuff. <laughs> That's that, that uh, publisher. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think right now I, I'm so, I can't give any insight to it because like I was brought on predominantly to address like my time in comedy which was like 2009 to 2016 or so and then since I came in and there's still some people from like a little bit before me I talked to those people and then we talked because I'm black, <laughs> black comedians. Uh, and then, you know, Nina took care of like the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, a little bit of the 90s and things oh, like that. Man. 
So we did the whole thing, but Nina's, you know, she's been publishing before, or she got published before, or she self-published it. And she kind of, she knows the rhythm of it, so I just defer to her. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I, I, can't, I can't speak to any release dates. I can't speak to, um, you know, when we're doing like a, a book signing or any of that. I'm mm. just, I'm just there to be, um, to share my research and my insight and be a sounding board for when we were writing. Um, but you know, the hope is April Fool's Day or a little bit before that. But you know, at <laughs> at this point, we're just waiting to hear back from the publisher about what we want to do. Hmm. And then this being your first book, how did that feel? I mean, it's not your first time writing. I've still reading your play that you sent me. Uh, it just caught me off guard, so I had to give it a little second to uh, to process, but. This is your yeah, first. You sound like I'm doing some Medea shit. It's a screenplay. <laughs> 128 pages. Right. Rom com. Uh huh. Yeah. About pro wrestling and estranged fathers. Please put some respect on my screenplay. <laughs> I'm not. There's no fade to black. There's no notes to the technicians. Right. This is about lights, camera, action. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it when deserves did I send that to you? A while I must ago. have sent that to you like a, almost a year. <laughs> I've, I've been working on this book, so I haven't been able to like work on any other <laughs> screenplay stuff. And I finished that a year ago. Right. I have no idea why I sent that to you. You uh, haven't read it. I've read it. I just didn't finish <laughs> it. <laughs> and I don't know why it's into me either. Uh, but I appreciate it. I uh, it's definitely a, a, a different perspective. It just caught me off guard because it was too it was too close. Like even to me, it was just like wow, I can't like. It feels like you're talking about me. So I just like, and I know you're not. And it just, but it felt like it. And I was just like, I need to see, need re- reevaluate my damn self. So I so I can stop uh stop so I can I uh what is it what's the word uh itemize like scientists use it but so I can di- uh, detect and separate why I'm so triggered by it uh is it you know <laughs> like that's why it's taking me a year plus shit like to be honest with you um, maybe I'll finish it on the beach of Honolulu <laughs> while I'm gasping at the waves oh man. <laughs> But you're a first-time author, man. So what is that like? What is it like to write a book, man? Uh, from your perspective, I mean, it's really it, technically you just wrote your manuscript to your other to your uh, to your real book about yourself. Are you saying? Wait, wait. Are you saying that? Your autobiography. <laughs> wait. I, what? What? What was my? What are you saying is my autobiography? Like this, that, because you you technically wrote your draft of your first uh, one of your chapters about your comedy experience and your comedy comedy years, and now you we know write about everything else you've done you know just add to it well I, I you know i i we work really hard or at least i work really hard to separate myself from the narrative of it you know like comedy at least my 
my take, my hypothesis is that for whatever reason, San Francisco has always had a comedy history and a, a comedy tradition, even if it's not like, you know, you might hear like, oh, Robert Williams was from there and showed up a lot of places, but not that wasn't the selling point for me to start doing comedy. <laughs> I had just heard that there was comedy to be done. Right. Um, and uh, coincidentally, I started writing jokes after I saw a special that was filmed in San Francisco. What age did you write your first joke? Uh, I mean, I had little Garfield notebooks <laughs> with, with, with things in them, for sure. Uh, but I was probably like 19 when I wrote joke jokes or wrote bits to be said into microphones. So, so you're saying you didn't write for yourself first, you wrote for others, you did tags. I, When I was a kid, I would write just like, I would just journal and then I would do this thing called e-feds. Have you ever heard of e-feds? Nah. I was such a wrestling fan that I would join these message boards where <laughs> basically I caught, like I role played as a professional wrestler. Okay. And I'd write all these things that are just like fake interviews and, um, you know, behind the scenes of my characters, vignettes. <laughs> so I did that for a really long time uh, as like a middle schooler and a high schooler. And then by the time I got to college, I was writing these blogs that were just like kind of recaps of like, oh shit, I went to this rave. <laughs> oh shit, this is what happened at work. <laughs> people would read them and be like, oh shit, that, that, that is what happened. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> or whatever poetic license I had about that. And I did that with comedy, just the shows I would go see when I graduated and came back. Um, just be like, oh yeah, I went to this comedy show at Berkeley. This is what happened. And then uh, that slowly turned into like finding connections between, you know, like, oh, I went to the Dark Room Theater. Who was there before? Everything's online because it's the internet. Mm -hmm. So finding old comedians, MySpaces and stuff like that. Uh, basically did a blog about that and it became the research for the book um, which is to say in a roundabout way it's just like by pure accident or coincidence I became a, an expert quote unquote expert at least about what I was finding because it wasn't conclusive I mean this book that we wrote is I mean we haven't found anything that is the same is like a collection of, of stand-up comedy history there's been a lot of like articles and SF Chronicle and there's been like autobiographies and biographies about people from the Bay Area but there's nothing collective about it until we worked and you know uh, I guess for me writing the book especially about my time in comedy and a little bit before 
was all right. What's the story um, of San Francisco comedy in general, which is from North Beach to the Richmond District to Oakland to San Jose. For whatever reason, comedy exists in the Bay Area, and they follow certain eras and they follow certain you know beats. And each era has own, you know, their own little mini beats, so to speak. Um, and even if things get hotter than others, uh, in terms of like the '80s being liver than the '90s or 2000s being more live than the '70s, it's all about like whether it's people coming in for school or natives, or it's just like a cool city. Cool cities come, cool people come to San Francisco, and then people are already doing stand up, so they start doing stand up, and then they become relatively big in the Bay, and then they leave. (laughs) Same thing with the buildings. A place gets hot, or a place, somebody just says, hey, we should do comedy here, and then the owner's like, yeah. And then it slowly builds up and then it hits a crescendo and then somebody loses the lease or, you know, the, Mm. uh, there's no permit for hard alcohol. So there's no way to really make money or, um, you know, somebody moves. So then the show dies and then the bar stops doing comedy. Mm -hmm. So there's just this like natural order natural flow to stand up and specifically the bay area that doesn't happen in chicago that doesn't happen in new orleans doesn't happen in dc doesn't happen in new york doesn't happen in la like it's it just is what it is and we can't contain it so for me (laughs) instead of like focusing on everybody because like you could do a whole book about the 80s just because it's like the people who came up then like in many ways define um it defined like you know mtv or like early mtv early comedy movies your bobcat goldthwaite's your uh Dana Goulds, your Patton Oswalt, there's all the people who went on to do other things, but to really like break down what they did in the San Francisco Bay Area, you probably would need to do like hell of research and talk to them and talk to people around that time just to get a better perspective of like their slice of it, but everybody's slice in San Francisco Bay Area comedy is the same. So how do we make that a trend? How do we tell an overall story? How do we make a real narrative behind this kind of ebb and flow of being an artist in this city where, you know, it's, it's transitional. There's a lot of transplants. There's a lot of people who have come and go. And for me, it was just like, all right, what's the story of comedy in general around this time and how does the Bay uh, reflect that so that was just a lot of me being like all right well so you know you, you, to be a comedian in the bay area you go to open mics 
but here's some of the open mics. Here's one of the biggest open mics because everybody was pretending to be other people at this open mic. <laughs> and then you, you build your own show. Here's where the places that they did shows or here's the name of shows because you have to have a hook. You can't come in and just be like comedy nights at the Clayton Valley Bowl. It's got to be like bowling over with laughter, you bitch. Like, <laughs> that's the name of these shows. Uh, and then you either start here as like you were born in the Bay and you know you grew up enough to start doing stand-up or you were born in the Bay, went somewhere, came back, started doing stand-up or you weren't born in the Bay, came in, started doing stand-up or you were already doing stand-up, came to the Bay because you heard it was hot and then you left or you just happened to be from the Bay and you did all your stuff in LA or, or, uh, or New York. Mm-hmm. So I talked about that. Uh, talked Sounds about like you the, need the Bay. Hmm? Sounds like you need the Bay. Like in all of your, like at the end of the, at the end of the day, you need the Bay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's San Jose is different than Vacaville. You know, they both have Mm -hmm. a piece of comedy history, if not their own story to contribute. Uh, So giving, I was just trying to give everybody their due. You know, I can't tell, Mm -hmm. I can't tell everybody's story, but if I focus on the main one, this is who I was going in with. If I focus on the main one or the one that I think like, should be in the history books just as like like uh it may not be the flashiest name but this cat named jabari davis like regularly sold out the punchlines on the weekends as a black comedy producer uh that did like mixed rooms and and made sure everybody got paid and they were like they were bringer shows but they were hot bringer shows and people's first headline. What's a bringer show? A bringer show is just like, hey, I'll put you on the show, but you gotta sh- you gotta sell five. You gotta sell ten tickets. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Are you okay? And then we we even talked about how that's not even like that crazy. Like some of the most legendary comedians had their friends show up on their audition night uh, in a North Beach club. And that's how they got the gig. So uh, they mm-hmm. effectively, you know, used the system. Ballot. Yeah. yeah. But you were saying and this Davis person's first headline, I cut you off at that point, my bad. You, you were... Yeah, like, you know, if, this, if it was anybody else but us writing the book, they probably would have just been like, oh, yeah, the punchline came, or the purple onion came back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, after being a rock club in the 90s or whatever. And... That information about the rock club is like in almost every news article about the Purple Onion, but you know, Jabari probably won't get his due, so we wanted to give him his due. So we were there in the trenches, and even if it wasn't like the major thing, like how we said earlier in the book, how the Purple Onion was like the epicenter of like, you know, Maya Angelou performed there. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Lenny Bruce more so, even if it wasn't that, like redefining art for a generation, it happened, you know. This is our connection. This is the path. This is the lineage mm. of that space over on 140 Columbus Ave. So as long as we could find ways to balance, like, it's a lot of time, you know, from the 50s to now, there's a lot of stand-up. Um, I imagine, we, yeah. And we didn't even get into, like, sketch or improv. Like, the history of San Francisco comedy just so happens to be, like, the most fertile ground for comedy and we just took the opportunity to talk about what we were interested in and, and the overall thing but like we can't hand we can't handle the entirety the scope of the story so let's just condense it to things that we can under like we can really elaborate on and hopefully you know that comes comes through in the in the book okay <clears throat> that makes sense base <laughs> yeah you can't cover all the darkness so you therefore you picking stars to make your constellations yeah. well we could i i wanted to go in harder in the book <laughs> like, i wanted to discuss the darkness because it's you know stand up in itself is like kind of this you know shadow realm the upside down of society right some of the funniest people you know you'll probably never know whether they get big or not just because they're just you know they're grinding at open mics or they're um working the clubs and then you know the, the beast of stand-up swallows them whole <laughs> right um and it's but you know you got it in trying to maintain that's the thing about stand-up is like as, as much as you can you know stomp and clap maybe tell jokes that references kind of like the injustice of society but specifically stand-up it's just like you're trying to get something out of it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. as hard as you want to go against the people on the top or people that are working, the, you know, the puppet strings behind. Everybody has relationships they're trying to maintain, and everybody that they're, they're they could get something from, or that could benefit from, or they just don't want to be on their bad side. We we made those edits. We decided we didn't want to like put anybody on blast, mm -hmm. especially if we're not talking to them about that thing. You know, right, and, right. But it, the shit's still fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, who are we really benefiting if we're like, oh, here's black comedy in the Bay Area. Here's some quotes we got from the newspaper. We don't really have the means or the tools to talk to the people involved, let alone because like some people that we might be kind of cool with or who provided stuff for the book or whatever, were, you know, real mm. shitty. <laughs> how much do we really want to investigate this right. like we'll keep saying that stand up is inherently racist and there's segregation between open comedians and, and San Francisco comedians for sure absolutely we'll say that's dog days mm. but we're not going to tell put no names on it <laughs> right right no, and who, who's that who is that 
is that uh, journalistically okay? You know, historically, is it okay to just like point to the history without being like, like we also have to analyze and, and put into the forefront a lot of practices that maintain predominantly because of these people who did it first. Know what I mean? So right. uh, things are, are constantly changing with comedy and, and people in comedy are constantly changing and it's it's real it's a real wiggly group of people to put down put the ink to paper just because they so much to protect and so much caution because you know stand-up has not in a while stand-up hasn't been what it can be or needs to be on a national level uh, in a real long time and some would argue because of the way that it was perpetuated like in the 80s it overexposed the whole thing and it changed what comedy you know what people get from comedy changed when there were comedy clubs and it wasn't always for the better (laughs) Mm. okay sounds like you uh you created the Richardson of of comedy books like in a way of romanticizing the the history of, of of itself like the just the the dresses the suits the the balls like you're doing that con, you know in a comedy of of the bay area historical you know layout i mean i wouldn't say i'm romanticizing it uh if anything i'm de de-glamorizing i'm, de, I'm desaturating kind of the rose colored glasses on comedy you know mm. like, I won't tell everything I won't put it everything in black and white this person's an asshole this person is whatever you know <laughs> right but because uh, it, it's because it's it's an important art form for sure but like how many people get told that they're brave because they're fucking narcissists who like to hear themselves speak <laughs> And have a microphone and fucking move away from normal existence of having a job and shit. Guilty. Like, <laughs> like that, that it's, there's no amount of work I can do to uh, de-emphasize what makes stand-up appealing to stand-ups and what allows people to get away with what they get away with as stand-ups and how the industry will work now until infinitum like i'm just saying hey here's a a pub that became a club that was bought by live nation here's the facts and you guys figure it out is how the book is is positioning um even if I don't include all the facts, it's like these are. This is the. This is what's emblematic of stand up, um, and hopefully, you know, I can write about some of the grimier stuff 
in narrative form where people don't feel the need to protect themselves. Mm. Oh, well. They're fictional. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Nah, I mean, that's, I'm happy for you. Um, uh, you you were still in comedy and that's and that's you know you know still in some way and form have your hands on comedy and that's always fun because i know you love it i know you you know um i mean i i credit you for putting me on to the world's greatest comedian to uh to date right now i mean without you in my life i wouldn't have known about dave Chappelle, nor anime actually but um this sounds like a great book i can't wait to buy my copy so i can read i'll uh don't know when I'll finish it, but I'll definitely start it. You even have so many open projects. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, you know where I get that from too. I think I watched that uh, Jimmy Neutron episode of that uh, an old professor of the teacher who could never finish anything, and like he never finished his food, his projects, and so I just kept that going in life because it fit me. I had you know because you have to finish stuff in life, and so I think to balance out my like my mindset i just didn't finish anything at home like food and projects and and conversations kind of just walk away before they end like a movie <laughs> oh man well bro we i mean we could have talked about kids getting the vax but that's i mean it's going to happen regardless these kids are going to we're going to pump them up now the the best part about like our society Honestly, it's just to like to to feel comfortable in it and like and com- comfortable in not non control part of it, but then like trying to create your own control in it and like your own your own controlled space and growing it from there. It's kind of been my like observation of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah, but nah, man. Happy for your book. Um, I miss Robin Williams. As you brought him up. Uh, all his I didn't know him as a comedian just as an actor so like all his movies are just surreal way behind before their time even the one where he was a robot like Flubber was a great one but like him as a robot like I don't remember what it was called but man what a what a performer just yeah he was that dude I think our last message in the book is to be as much Robin Williams as you can because you know he did uh, comic relief as a means mm-hmm. to address homelessness or houselessness or unhoused people. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he had, he, he, he had a lot of contributions to the San Francisco comedy. Um, many would argue that it wouldn't be the, you know, the true sense of history without him. Um, mm-hmm. Just because he he lived in in the Bay, while he was the most famous one of the most famous people of all time, and he always came out to comedy and always rose to comedy, and uh, I think what everybody experienced as fans of his work as a as a actor, I think uh, every comedian in the Bay, who's come through the Bay, has a, a real, you know, debt to him and, and a real, like, one-to-one 
I knew this dude, he was my brother, he was my friend, he was like um, a godfather <laughs> of an entire scene at the most important time in comedy history. And yeah, you know, I saw him at open mics, you know what I mean? Like, oh, shit. He, was, he was really with the shits. And I miss him too, and it's a gift as a stand-up comedian from the Bay Area to have a different relationship than just like everybody else. Not to shit on anybody else. Like, oh, I miss Robin Williams. Like, nah, man, I really miss Robin Williams in a way you can't understand. I'm not stunting on you. I'm just saying, dog, come through. 408 Clement Street, come through. Word. Come come through to Robert Williams Meadow <laughs> on comedy day. See what it's about. Oh man. That's fun. Yeah, man, I'm envious, yo. Um I, I bet you've never felt like you didn't know where you were from. Um after you scrub away like this land stuff, like being ne- be from a city specifically, or like like you found something where you're 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 are part of you're like you're 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 from this guild right like comedy is your guild like i used to, i envied that like some people have like hip-hop music and stuff like that i didn't really feel like that growing up because i couldn't i could singing but i'm not a singer like I, I i heard the greatest and i knew i couldn't compete ever and um acting too is like i could act maybe but i don't really feel like i'm a part of those that guild either and uh, writing i can do but like writers have their own guild but um I don't I don't know any writers that I like worked with, so I can't even say that. So um, for you to find that, I found it now. I feel like mine is podcasting, so I feel like I'm from people who can just who are comfortable in having conversations in front of a microphone. And we go back and forth, and we and we banter, and we have witty conversations, and we get to like unravel some some hidden truth or some some unknown thought that we wouldn't have had until we met each other to have the conversation. But until then, you know, I didn't have any of that so it feels kind of lost thing and and you but you've always had that connection with comedy and so it's it's just truly dope to see what you've done with it you know yeah it's uh in many ways unexpected but it's been there my whole life you're absolutely correct Well, Brody, thank you for joining us and and sharing, um, you know, your insights and your connection and and, and joy of comedy from the, especially from the Bay Area. Uh, and uh, thank you for joining us again on uh, this podcast. Always a pleasure. Always great to hear your thoughts. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we we check out? Yeah, uh, if you're in the video games and streaming and alcohol and and nonsense like that uh check out super trash tv the website is supertrash.tv i do a super smash bros stream every tuesday where we play a little bit of video games but mostly argue over nonsense (laughs) Um, and you can catch that at 8 p.m pacific to uh, twitch.tv slash supertrashtv. 
Dope. Dope. Uh, you heard it there? You heard it there, folks. If you're a gamer, go and check them out. Um, I've been a part of it. It's, it's pretty cool. Even won some money. I won it first place, too. That was dope. But, um, all right, Brody, you have a good rest of your day and evening. Hope to talk to you soon. And uh, tell, the, tell the wifey, Mel, I said hello. I will. All right, y'all. Y'all been tell great. That, tell that big-ass pillow you call a wife. <laughs> oh, that felt so good. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, storytellers, uh, enjoy the rest of y'all day as well. Deuces. Y'all be great. One. Now listening to Money Making Mission by Jericho Black and Prodigy. Down, BT. Down, BT. I'm on this money making mission, got me tripping. I'm on the phone, my bitch is steady tripping. Don't call my phone, nigga, unless you got the pigeon. I need it back to back Chanel, see no sign cripping. Bitch, I got the code, say my number, ask the venture. I been sipping Henny, lemonade, a little simply. Pop a silo, pop your bitch, you don't tip me Rolling down Melrose or something, love filthy I went from no pops pissing in parking lot pimping To 27 owning a couple of my own businesses I got a couple bitches that's minding their own business But they pay it forward cause they know what good business is We could be associates, just tell me all the benefits I need some dental and a rental, we gon' hit a lick I'ma split the profit for the 96 Got my niggas with me, so that's some blood on crib What's cracker poppin'? I'm in the whip, hot boxer with an apple bottle Try to figure how to stack it to bikini bottle If I trip, my niggas trip, man, I can't even stop em. If I set it off, Cleo, I need every dollar I need every dollar, only hit for white collars I barely see the beat, you out collecting sand dollars Comma, comma, not about a hoe It's out a hoe, I buy a ticket out to Vegas and she gotta I go I keep a 40 Smith to Western for the give and go My nigga from the band, 40, tell me when to go You ain't gotta tell me when to go, I'm with the smoke I'm from VA, I throw it up like I'm too long I'm from Deep Beast, eat like Big Meech I'ma keep feet on peace, that's just GP Bitch, I'll sit down, you niggas in PC Just sent a kite to my rally in DT I'm on this money making me Got me tripping. I'm on the phone with my bitch, she steady tripping. Don't call my phone, nigga, unless you got the pension. I need it back to back, Chanel, see no sign cripping. Bitch, I got the code, say my number, ask the venture. I've been sipping Henny lemonade a little simply. I can pop a seller, pop your bitch, you don't tip me. Rolling down Melrose with something little filthy. I'm on this money making mission, got me tripping. Hang up the phone on a bitch, she call me tripping. Don't call my phone, bitch, unless you got the pension. I need it back to back, Chanel, see no sign crimping. Bitch, I got the code, say my number as the venture. I've been sipping Henny lemonade a little simply. I've been popping seals and getting rich, so don't tempt me. Riding down Melrose and something looking filthy. Ugh. Now disconnected from You Got a Story podcast.